2: Good morning, San Bonani. Hello, how's it? And welcome to the IRR show. It has been a while since I've been here. It's good to be back. My name is Big Daddy Liberty and I'm joined, of course, by the
1: other wonderful half of the show, Miss Sara Sarah. Good morning. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. And I must say, Bokertov to our listeners, which is what I did for last week. Thank
2: you. Yeah. Sorry, right. welcome back. Uh, or rather I should be welcome saying back. welcome back. <laughs> I'm sort of channeling your energy there for a moment. Um guys, it's really good to be back. We have a jam-packed show, as you can imagine, perhaps looking around you right now. There are very real issues we're dealing with as South Africans in the here and now that just really have to be uh discussed and looked at perhaps through the lens of a classical liberal. Like how do we solve a lot of these issues? How do we begin to address them in a real way? I mean, some of you might be sitting in Darkness right now, some of you might be sitting without water and a large proportion of our South African citizens are sitting without jobs. These are the issues that really speak to a complete... Uh, Collapse uh, A collapsing if you will Of the project South Africa And it's no use us Sort of sitting and pretending As if this is not happening Or that someone Some saviour will fix it 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 doesn't work that way It actually needs us As South Africans To begin to have this conversation That's exactly what we're going to do On the show Remember the IRR show Is broken into three segments Pretty much First segment we always go go into Is the news that is The news that was Uh, What's been in the news cycle What's interesting What's, um, what can we chew the fat on, so to speak? And um, again, in all our segments, you're welcome to chip in and contribute to the conversation. The studio number is 10 140 You can send us a telegram at 061-895-1019. If you're old school like me, then you can send us an SMS at 34519. In our special interview segment today, the guest we're going to be having with us is from the Free Market Foundation his name is Mpiake we're going to be having a very interesting chat with him uh, he happens to be one of the regular contributors To my other show called Blacks Only Yes, you heard that right, Blacks Only Purposefully provocative name Designed to make fun of society's obsession With race and identity And gender and all that nonsense um, But he's an often, he is a regular Contributor on that show and we talk about All things through the lens of Essentially, you know, classical liberalism And the like, but usually the cast Or the guests are quote-unquote Black people, what we're trying to show is that You can have a group of black 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 people on one show, but the real diversity that matters isn't isn't racial, but actually intellectual. Intellectual diversity matters more than anything else. So we're going to be bursting a few myths with our guest Mpiaq around exactly who black South Africans are. Are we all the same, homogenous, you know, sort of uh, inherently leftist and uh, woke groupings? Or do we differ intellectually? And what are those differences? And are they even represented in our politics? So we're going to have that conversation after the major break, uh, uh, from about half past nine or so, as soon as our guest arrives. I'm sure the rain is keeping everybody delayed and traffic is probably a mess. So, dear listener, welcome to the show. Um, Sara, let's hop straight perhaps into what's been in the news
1: cycle? What's, what's the interesting stuff? What's there, going on? There's no interesting stuff. There is only an interesting stuff. And that interesting stuff is that between uh, Sura poser writing his letter from the president's desk saying that we have problems but you know let's handle the stage four by the end of the day we were in stage six um and there's a there's a there's a really funny i think a really funny meme not a meme a little video going around where a big guy looks like he comes from brackpan or boxberg he's sitting around his candle there's a knock on the door goes to the door young spry black man saying good evening sir i'm here from escom he says yeah what can i do for you he says i've come to um, the implement, imple- implement uh, the stage In seven. seven. <laughs> he says, stage seven? What's stage seven? The ESCOM guy blows out the candle. <laughs> um,
2: it, that, that kind of uh, says where uh, we are. But also speaks to the character, perhaps, of South Africans that whenever, and it's often, often, um, we're, we're dealing with a complete failure mm. of some service which should not be, um, you know, subject to failures. And, you know, we, we make fun of it mm. because really we, we, but the reality is a very tough one, isn't it? Mm. Sorry, we literally have a situation where the sole provider of a service, the mm. sole provider of electricity in this country, cannot provide that very product. Mm. Like, What sort of a clown world is that?
1: Well, it, it, it actually goes back, um, certainly in my memory, which uh, probably accounts for the age difference, it <laughs> really goes back to the era of, of because Mbeki because in the, from the late 90s onwards, um, the ESCOM was warning the South African government that that uh, energy needed to be completely overhauled, place, things had to be replaced, new uh, stations had to be built, et, cetera, et cetera. Um, It was, and It was a really funny few years, And but Tom and Becky took this decision, which probably would have been a very good decision if there had been any carry-through, and that was essentially to involve the private sector in, in energy production. The only problem is he said that, he did nothing, Nothing happened, and then we got Zuma. So we went from possibly the private sector, no private sector, Jacob Zuma, destruction of, of the entire um, energy complex. So this has been coming for well over. Twelve or thirteen years,
2: and there is a deeper story here. There is three significant issues that I think the listener needs to be aware of when it comes to Eskom and the load shedding mess that mm-hmm. we're in. The one is policy—you mm-hmm. um, know, actual good advice being given but not being heeded. Mm-hmm. And you're right, the, the Mbeki years with Alec Irwin as mm-hmm. the Energy Minister back then, or Public Ed Enterprises
1: Minister, Dro- dropped the, bol- the bolt in the turbine. Absolutely,
2: uh, you know, he totally dropped the ball in that mm-hmm. regard. Um, and the second element is ideology. Mm-hmm. Um, I always warn my listeners that mm-hmm. there is a concerted ideological agenda behind why we see a lot of the stuff that we see here mm-hmm. and that is essentially this belief that um you know uh, uh, inherent uh, an inherent belief, excuse me, that, uh, you cannot address something, um, such as electricity or water, any of these things that they think should be run by the state solely by having the private sector come in. So that's where you mm-hmm. see the resistance come in. It's ideological because, mm. in, you know, our politicians are Vast, the vast majority of them are on the left. You know, they are mm. socialists, communists, and states, people mm. who believe the state should run everything. And that is a big problem when you then need a flexible industry, a flexible sector mm. um, to provide a, a much-needed service. And the third, of course, is just in sheer incompetence. Mm. Um, I, I don't think we sort of factor that in. Mm. You know, here are people who basically are unable to really run um, something because you know they're they, they, they are unable to understand the entire market no mm-hmm. one can no one can know everything, mm-hmm. which is why you want a uh, an industry therefore to be made up of different players mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. some guy will spot some opportunity somewhere some uh, another guy will spot an opportunity mm-hmm. elsewhere and it's like it's that confluence and mm-hmm. coming together of those things that creates a market mm-hmm. that then meets the entire demand mm-hmm. of a sector. You cannot have that mm-hmm. when you have one provider of electricity who basically is working off of old uh, uh infrastructure that's you know, sort of creaking and leaking and breaking, um, and they don't even devote money mm. towards that. And may- maybe a final one, just very briefly, because I wanted to chat about this. Um And you know, uh, let's pick it up actually when we come back Mm. from the ad break. Is the specter of not only corruption, but how race-based policy Mm. corrupts the entire system? Because now you're not picking the best; you're picking the blackest or Mm. the whitest or whatever the individual is to do a job that needs the best individual. We're going to pick up that conversation when we come up. Come back from this short ad break. Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. Maolo hello, how's it? Welcome back to the IRR show. Sara, before the break, mm. we're basically going to go into what I think is the core problem behind the complete collapse of not only Eskom but other state-owned mm. in, uh, enterprises too. And that is the incessant belief by the ruling elite that you don't go for quality, you don't go for the best individual, but you try and socially engineer a mm. racial makeup in the world of SOEs that supposedly reflects the country mm. and often... Often um, a, a skilled individual or a quality individual that's required for that job takes a secondary consideration to the race of the individual or the identity of an individual. This is coming back to haunt us, isn't mm. it?
1: It's coming back to haunt us, and I think it's part of the ideology that says that the, the, the heights of the economy must, in, must be in black hands. Mm. And how that is manifested is not about saying we have to put competent black engineers or competent black accountants into things. It is we have to make money out of this. And, yeah. I, and I say this because um, Stephen Curtis wrote an article where he reminds us that in 2007, the just before the first episode of load shedding, which took everyone by surprise, Chancellor House bought 25% of Hitachi. Yes. And in exchange, Itashi would give Chancellor House 10% of, of the, any profit made.
2: And Chancellor House is the investment um, of, of, of ANC. ANC. To so, so the ANC. So already
1: you've now completely sullied, sullied the waters. And you end up not only with, and you then end up with a range of contractors and, that are both neither incompetent nor they using materials that are good enough. And so that's why the two power stations that are being built, Madupi and Kusile, overrun. From 90, million, 90 billion in the case of Kusele To 220 billion I'm not yes. sure what the amounts are for Medupi Everything has a chain reaction Because it's about You put in people Who will do the bidding That will make the money For the organization Or for the individual Not
2: to render the service Not to and render the service We must say this before Not we of, And we must say this before We're accused of somehow suggesting That black folks can't mm. do the work No Invariably when you go for a system like this You actually block those black individuals Who are able to do the work Who are skilled Who have Put in the hard yards to become mm. these skilled individuals from accessing these jobs I've always said this on my social media uh, when you use race-based empowerment policies that, that give politicians the mm. power to pick winners and losers it's invariably those individuals people. of that race mm. who are connected to politicians Correct. who make it who get the deals it's not the broadest population of, of target group race if you mm. will that benefits and this is the dubious part and the morally corrupt uh, element of policies like BEE Essentially, which are now, as I said Coming yeah. back to haunt us
1: I mean, we've seen it with the with some of the interim CEOs of ESCOM Gerana, Fadebe, those sorts of people um, they, their, their, their demise, shall I put it that way Their resignations occurred Because of the stress of not being listened to The public enterprise would hear what they're saying Would consider it And Gadan would say No, you can't do this No, you can't do that No, you can't do that Which means that anything they have the... Uh, capability of doing to make the thing turn around is being quashed every single time.
2: And again, you brought this up, Sarah, because it was a very good example, the idea of Medupi, which was essentially projected... Uh, Medupi, by the way, is a new, what was meant to be a new 4,000 megawatt power plant that would, that would obviously p- uh, pull us out of a, um, load shedding, especially that first round of it, which is in 2008. And mm-hmm. it was it was t- touted as the wonderful hope that it will end load shedding forever. However, even to this day, from 2008 and actually even before that, it still hasn't been completed. Mm-hmm. Um, and not only has it not been completed, the cost of it, as Sarah Sara mentioned as escalated from 90 billion rand to 200 billion rand. And it comes back to the point that Sara had just made. If you're only in it um, to make a quick buck, then you don't really care mm-hmm. as to whether you meet uh, the objectives of the said service. Like, mm-hmm. am I delivering this thing on time? In fact, you have an incentive not to deliver mm-hmm. it on time because you're there
1: to make a buck. Now, the problem with McDupie is it's 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 virtually 90 percent complete and it was supposed to stand in effectively, for all the older infrastructure that needs to be pulled out of service so that it can be maintained. But it can't because Madupi crashed. Yes. And do you? Rem- I don't know if you remember that through the building of Madhupi and Kutsili, there were some really ugly, violent, or in, in some instances, fatal, illegal strikes. Yes. And those were not properly dealt with. That's and safe. the question one asks is, were they legitimate? Or do- were there good c- cause for those strikes? Or were the employers of the people who were on strike were the contractors yeah
2: again, not to exhaust this issue because I think it's one which we're going to delve into because again, dear listener, you've got to start connecting the dots. Whenever you have political power that concentrates power into its hands and gives itself the ability to pick winners and losers, invariably the loser ends up being people like you and me. People who are now sitting in the darkness, people who don't have the water because water is another area where this exact phenomenon has happened, Mm. where you have ministers who've loaded the the department of friends and cronies and cadres, and suddenly we're not able to provide water to uh, parts of this country that are literally sitting on quote-unquote day zero. Um, you know, Yet you have these fantastically rich tenderpreneurs who come, you know, who are meant, excuse me, to rectify these situations, but don't. Why? Because the incentive isn't, as I mentioned earlier on, to deliver the service, but rather to fleece the state.
1: Yeah. Uh, can I make a point about water? Water, unlike ESCOM, ISCOM is one big monolith. Water- Water is, the p- plants are in every munis- are virtually in every municipality across the country. So in a way, although, and, and water I think is, is a problem we haven't even begun to touch. Yeah. But in a way, that, that, that numer- numerical diversity may offer easier opportunities if the government were committed with the provincial governments and the local governments to sort out mm-hmm. the mess of e- at each individual Water, because it's not as, each one is not as monolithic as, uh, as, as Eskom would be. But I have two questions I'd like to sort of end on the, on, on the, on this issue with. Um, Mantashi is the energy minister and he is the only person who can sign the paperwork to allow companies like Sassel, Mondi and Sapi with installed generating capacity to sell it into ESCOM's starved grid. But he's signing nothing. Mm. So the question is, why, uh, and I don't, I, I'm not interested in hearing about the fights, the internal fights Ooh. in the ANC, why are they doing, and did we need to build Kusile at the same time as building Numbadupi? Did we have to spend the money simultaneously for two plots?
2: I've always postulated that Corrupt politicians always need mega projects in order to be able to, um, you know, create the environment of rent seeking cronies and tenderpreneurs. They always need the mega projects. That's why the proposed nuclear spend by former president Jacob Zuma, um, Irked so many people Because I think we saw The writing on the mm. wall You know here's a mess. It, it was pr- touted of course To be a super super Almost uh, akin to the Spending on the arms deal mm. um, And we all sort of went Hey hang on mm. let's, let's just take a chill pill For a moment Not to say that we don't Need nuclear power Because I think it is um, And I know you know Some hippies will disagree With me but we'll have That debate um, But nuclear power Is the most cleanest The most efficient way To provide um, massive amount m- amounts of electricity It's reliable Um but we were very cautious as South Africans, rightly so, because we saw the writing on mm. the wall in terms of how the ANC and really leftist politicians operate. Mm. They do these mega projects that are difficult to essentially account for every and cent. Mm. You need sort of very good governance uh, in, in project managing them. But effectively... They go for these because you can make a quick buck mm-hmm. by inviting your friends to be the tenderpreneurs, the cronies. Um, that's why I gravitated, I shifted the conversation to water or included water mm-hmm. into the conversation. Mm-hmm. And I can very well also include the National Health Insurance mm-hmm. because it is a proposed big mega project. I mean, if you're literally taking all the funding for healthcare and you're putting it Co- into one into pot called like, the, like nat- <laughs> call the National Health Fund, then you know exactly the writing on the wall. Suddenly you'll have a sprouting of tenderpreneurs who are going to be Providing medical goods, mm. even though they have no interest mm. or even history in providing that service, it is a dangerous, um, it is a toxic sort of cauldron that we're, mm. we're all bubbling in, mm. and no one is calling out the elephants in the room and saying, "Hey, how about you actually take a moment, stop, and you re." Configure government, if you will, to be as small as possible, to be as lean as possible, and as for as many of, for as many of the services it renders, to be rendered by the private sector. Mm. Because as I mentioned in, in vlog 16 on my show, please check it out on the Big Liberty Show, um, I had a little bit of a rant on this issue, because it's such a, it's, it's beginning to affect the people that I care about mm. most, which is you, the South African, and your families. As I mentioned in that vlog, you now have a situation where private sector companies in this country who run mega operations themselves, do so efficiently and do so on an everyday basis and there's no issues. For instance, as I, made, I mentioned on the show, um, SAB, the South African Breweries, runs a mega, multi-billion rand operation in this country, but you've never heard them say, well, look, we're really sorry, we can't provide beer in Durban today, we're going to beer shed the country and certain people... <laughs> that would have know, a result. <laughs> absolutely. And you've never heard Pick and Pay or Woolworths or any of our major retailers who also run extensive mega-billion-rand operations. In some cases, like ShopRite, I mean, it has a network of shops all over Africa, not even just South Africa, but you've never heard them say, yeah, look, we can't actually provide groceries in this part of the world. We're going to rotate who gets to buy groceries at any given time. So that the myth, the myth that somehow government needs to be running these Mm -hmm. mega-services is exactly that, a myth. Give it to the private sector. Make sure there's checks and balances and accountability, and make sure that South Africans are served um, as they should be. Mm. The, the,
1: um, yeah, I mean, let's put it this way: there, 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 were, there have been a couple of really worrying examples of, of things going wrong with this load shedding. Three mines had to close operations because while they could send their workers down the mine, they couldn't be sure there'd be electricity to pull them back up again. Yeah. Now, any time something happens in a mine where a mine worker is is is, in, is injured or, or or killed or potentially, or there's a rockfall. The the, the the unions blame management. And yeah. here's and here's a scenario where where they will be nothing could even happen. Every, everyone is in the same boat on this one and we are affecting a the major industry.
2: Yeah. Uh, maybe to cap the point of because I wanna go, go into some of the other issues they had raised. Um and it looks like we have a few comments mm. um coming out uh from the telegrams. Uh we have a anonymous perhaps account. Who basically says it needs no coal, no nuclear, just water power. Uh that's obviously <laughs> I think that's the um the the, the hippies that I mentioned would probably come after me for mentioning nuclear. And that's fine. I mean I, I'm not averse to hydroelectric electricity, but you might have a situation, for example, really? as you have in other parts of sub-Saharan Africa where if you have extended drought periods, um if you have extended drought periods, you know, you might not be able to produce that water v- from the dams because, you know, there's just no water running <laughs> through the actual dam itself. Um, we have another comment here uh, from, is it Karen Oshery? O- o- Osh- Oshery? Oshery, sorry. Um, Karen, I'm going to read your comment just now. Oh, she's just basically saying, awesome show this morning. Thank you very much. Okay. I appreciate that. Um, so, um, you know, perhaps as, as I sort of... Get really frustrated, and I'm trying to calm myself down. Let me just quickly introduce our guest, who's just come in, Um, Piyak Gamin, who I made mention at the beginning of the show from the Free Market Foundation. Um, He is a writer and an analyst at the Free Market Foundation, and really, we are very glad to have you join us in the studio, Piyak. We we're actually talking about ESCOM right now, um, and we're sort of breaking down just how terrible it is when you give politicians concentrated power to provide services which really should be in the hands of a diverse market, mm. uh markets that meet obviously different needs. And consequently you'll have the bottlenecks, the load shedding, mm. the uh you know, the the um, the blackouts, if you will. Because essentially you've given it to people who, who have no incentive of providing the service, yeah. but rather making a quick buck, uh, to fleece the, 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 the service. I know we wanted to talk
0: about something else, but do you want to weigh in on this one? So uh, I, I think your, your point about incentives is absolutely spot on. And uh, thank you for having Thanks. me on. Uh, so uh, the, your point about incentives is spot on. Because if you look at things like capital, one of the mm-hmm. problems at ESCOM is that the plants have not been maintained. Mm. So uh, some of your listeners may, may be surprised that all of a sudden we have problems with wet coal. Uh, when all of these years we've been having rain and then we <laughs> haven't been having this problem. And so what has what seems to have happened from just what I've heard from some of my friends at ESCOM is that, uh, because they haven't maintained their plants, mm. and because there's always uh, a variance when, they, when when, you have rain, there's always, we produce less electricity. But you always, that's, that's in the, within the system, there's a backup for that in the sense that we have over capacity and things like that. But because of this lack of maintenance, mm-hmm. we don't have that capacity. A couple of units are down across the country and it's just a disaster with the addition of Medupi and Kusile. And so these people don't have the investment, the incentive to take care of the capital because it's not theirs. Absolutely, it's as simple as that. If you are a private shareholder in a company, that all the capital is yours. You have an incentive in taking care of it.
2: Mm. And 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 I think you've hit the nail on the head in terms of the fundamental issue here because we went through uh, what I argue is, is the top big three reasons. You know, race-based policy being one because it destroys incentives yeah. essentially. Because if your major incentive is not to provide a quality service because mm. you're skilled in it and you are invested in it and you just playing Because race was the biggest uh, determinant of you being in that space, then you're not really going to be driven to also provide the best service because you know you can always get work, you can always get a contract based on something completely irrelevant to what's needed, which is, you know, in this case, they use race.
0: Yep. Uh, that's, that's true as well yeah.
2: But Mbiaki, we actually brought you on Because we wanted to have a chat um, You and I are on my regular show The weekly show called The Blacks Only And I've explained to the listeners that It's a purposefully provocative name Designed mm. to basically elicit um, or To mock, if you will uh, Our society's obsession with race um, And often the assumptions raci- uh, Racial assumptions that somehow Groups of people are all the same In this case, blacks are all the same And you know we're, we're all inherently leftist We don't Believe in other ideas And we mock this by literally having a show called Blacks Only Where you can have a panel of Three four black individuals But we're all different in our in our thoughts and
1: ideology If I was going to put it in a very sort of White privilege way, I was going to ask um, The question um, Can a black man become a liberal?
0: Uh, well, I, I, I think uh, empirically.
1: <laughs> 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 so, oh god, a big word. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Me, since I, I uh, since I see here, like, uh, he's a pretty strong liberal. Uh, and, uh, of course there's myself and a few others, uh, Gwen Gwenyan, uh, Sakel and Bell in parliament and so on and so on. There are so many liberals out there that, uh, that are black. And it's just like, you know, it, it's uh, it's it's only an issue for, um, People, let's say in other um, uh, movements such as the ANC who, who think in this way, in this racialized way. Mm. The liberal movement has always just has, has, ne- has never made this an issue. It's never been mm. about black liberals. It's, just, it's always just been about the ideas and mm-hmm. uh, having liberals in the movement. It's, if you look at, back at the history, the liberal movement has always been the most non-racial movement. It That's has right. always had black members, black people fighting on, on behalf of liberty. When you look at uh, the history of some of the other movements in this country, they've always, they've, they've all struggled with race whether it was the National Party, the ANC and so on. And so I think I, 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 I yeah, I made the right choice. So and obviously the black people can be liberal. <laughs> Thank
2: God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, which comes back to our ideas then yeah. What do we believe in as as you know classical liberals, liberals, anarchists and libertarians? You know, what are the core principles and ideas that we stand behind?
0: Yeah. So uh, someone like uh, Locke who sort of defined um, it was that what were the natural rights of man which would be life liberty and property and so when you look at those things they uh, are basically they they all uh, you have self ownership you, you you own yourself mm-hmm. you have liberty you have you are free to act with with, with whatever you own and then you can uh, exercise property, property ownership over of, of other things that you, that, that someone else doesn't own. And so all of these rights are yours, guaranteed, as long as you do not transgress anyone else's rights to the same things. And so you, 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 all of these things are you, you have, you have liberty by people, just be, by, 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 being a human being, being a rational human being, someone who exists and who can, uh, think for themselves, who have consciousness, then you have all of these rights. It's a great thing. So, uh, people should use their rights and not really just subordinate them to, to someone else or a collective, like
1: that I, I had a thought yesterday. Um, I was just thinking of the idea of freedom, and it was probably in the context mm. of our earlier uh, discussion. Um, and it strikes me that that's the striving, the ANC striving for the national democratic revolution, um, and Marxist socialist Marxist Leninist ideals, that the the actual the key issue that the ANC is striving against is freedom. Yeah. Um, why? why I mean, surely free the idea of a, a, a philosophy that follows freedom should be a much more attractive option.
2: Yeah. Uh, perhaps before you get into that one, Biaki, because I think that'll be a question we'll take up after the short break. And in addition to that, I want us to answer the question of how does these principles, how do these ideas of freedom, liberty, self-ownership, property rights, How do they benefit and how could they benefit black South Africans? Because politicians in this country tell us, no, we don't need these ideas. We need more government. We need more statism. We need communist ideals, as you know, the EFF and the ANC will often go to. So after the break, we're going to have a look at that uh, question. And we're going to be very practical in how we argue that these ideas should be pervasive in the black community. We'll see you after the short break. (laughs) IFM 101.9
0: megahertz of life.
2: Mono Sam hello, Hello, it? Welcome back to the IRR show. My name is Big Daddy Liberty, and you joined, of course, by my other half of my uh, of the show. Excuse me, uh, Sarah Gunn, and our guest, Timbiaki mm-hmm. Gamin. But Sarah, you have
1: something to read. I would like to just before we go on. The, the, there's one other message that's come in from a from a listener. Um, I assume it's a Mr. All I have is the name Blumenfeld. I assume it's a Mr. Blumenfeld. I have an economical power production system that produces at a fraction of the cost. Can't get an appointment to show it. That is not entirely surprising, mm. and I don't have an immediate answer, but I will. what I will do is undertake to look into it with people who know better than I do and come back on the next show perhaps mm. with some suggestions, because I'm no doubt going straight to government is...
2: Absolutely. Just yeah. not going to get a brick wall. Yeah. I mean, there's no incentive for them to innovate mm-hmm. in most cases. But before the outbreak, we, we, was, we were breaking down our core beliefs and how we were making mention of the fact that liberalism and essentially our core values have always been non-racial. They, they are ideas based and ideas driven and that these ideas by their very nature are designed to benefit individuals regardless of your race. Mm-hmm. I'm going to play the, the politician who's listening to this and disagrees. And this politician would obviously say, no, 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 but you guys just don't understand black people. You don't understand no. the 400 years of oppression, uh, slavery, colonialism and apartheid, which basically means black people are unable to do things for themselves. They need us, the politicians, to run things on their behalf. How is that politician wrong, Piak?"
0: Okay, so what what the politicians means, and I think this also feeds into Sarah's question as to why these people are opposed, opposed to freedom. Uh, I think it's just the... First of it is a, first of all, they have a desire to control rather mm. than to uh, see people free and exercising their own choices freely. So they would rather control those choices. That's the first thing. And then in, in, in terms of how freedom itself can be beneficial, I mean, whenever people have been oppressed in the past, up, up, up until the 20th century, uh, people have always looked to uh, liberals and liberalism to find their freedom, whether it was the serfs in Europe, uh, whether it was the slaves in the USA, they've always flocked to liberalism and liberal ideas to claim their freedom. And so some, something has changed, and I think a part of it is the rise of Marxism. They've, they've fooled or they've suckered enough people into believing that uh, freedom is subordinating to yourself to some bigger collective that knows exactly, perfectly, more than you, you do exactly what you need, exactly what you want at any given time. Mm-hmm. And so this is just a completely unsustainable system. And, and you see by its results whether it's in the USSR, China, and so on. So I think in terms of answering Sarah's question, yeah, yes, uh, these people are, are opposed to freedom because uh, they want to control the choices of people. And then the second thing is in terms of how uh, uh, liberalism can be beneficial. I mean, people, that's how you claim your freedom. That's how you, uh, for example, let's just take health in in, in black communities in the townships for example uh, why are we not seeing the people who are uh, health entrepreneurs starting up in the townships mm. and sort of uh, providing those services whether it be financing for health or actual hospitals and clinics and then if you start to look at it you will see that there's, there are dozens and dozens of government regulations regulating health and health professionals not what they can do even such things that everyone takes for granted like uh, medical licensing, licensing of doctors, things like that provide a real barrier. Mm. I mean um, a lot of people believe in traditional medicine because some of it uh, it works for them. It's uh, it's it's not as um, it's, it's not it's not founded on a basis of science like uh, medical sciences. But in in many cases, these people are very uh, empirical in how they choose their herbs and so on. So mm-hmm. it can work for some people. And so if you just allow people to make choices for themselves, they will aut- they will eventually find what what's the best option for them. And so it, it, it so it's just this accepting this principle that individuals can decide and not. Being scared on their behalf and stopping them Just because we are scared on their
1: behalf mm. okay. yeah. in, fact, in fact, the choice issue becomes Interesting in health mm. I have not understood, I haven't looked at the issue in, in depth But there is something really bizarre About not allowing The uh, medical aids <coughs> um, Industry to provide Low cost health insurance mm. Why on earth would you not allow Someone <laughs> to produce and sell health care insurance to somebody who wants it. it. It speaks of such a paternalism, so patronizing. Mm. Uh, it's almost... So,
0: so in, in, their, in their paternalistic, paternalistic desire to uh, protect the people who might choose a health product that's not appropriate for themselves because they don't read the terms and conditions or whatever, they are disadvantaging everyone else mm. who had now found a choice, a cheaper choice, who who, have, who had made a rational choice, who had thought about it, looked at the terms and conditions and everything like that, and, and decided okay, this is the best choice for my family for providing health care to my family. So they are throwing away all of those people and saying, okay, your right to choose to make the best choice for Made. It doesn't matter What matters is protecting this particular mm. individual Who has made a stupid choice And th- this is the choice we keep making as South Africans And within, within, if, we, if we keep doing this Punishing people who can think for themselves Who can sort of uh, decide for themselves Make their own choices mm. We will have less and less of those people Because our society will keep on in, in punishing those people mm. And what you, will ha- what you will have You will have a real race to the bottom yeah. I think you've made a, a critical point here, Which is liberals in this country
2: Have always been the strongest advocates mm. For all South Africans Regardless of race To have the freedom to choose And the freedom to pursue Their own lives Their own happiness This has real world Applications in terms of policy mm. You mentioned health Being a good example Where regulation Gets in the way of entrepreneurs Who then obviously Can't provide a service That they clearly have spotted Is required mm. in the community um, Let's let's move to another one I think is, is super important Education Because we're running out of time we mm. only about four minutes left Education is a super important one In that regard um, The state has always held a iron fist on education, much to the detriment of the very people they, they claim to advocate for, i.e. black South Africans. What do we do to what does a liberal say about education in terms of fixing it?
0: So first of all, uh, don't stop people who want to start their own schools. Remember that uh, first black owned uh, school in the East Rand, uh, some lady had started it who had been a teacher all her life. And then the government said, oh no, so you didn't comply with all our regulations, so we're going to shut you down. And so that's, that would be my first rule. Don't stop people starting their own schools. And then secondly, once you've done that, you realize that government can't provide a good education services. So whatever the future of our education system is going to be, it's not going to be publicly, uh, publicly provided by government have to give up on this idea they will they, they, they are they are unable and they will never be able to supply education so what's the next option look at the private sector mm. it, 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 in every country that you go to the, the private sector provides the benchmark they always provide the best services in many other countries the public sector also matches the private sector but it, but it, it never it, it hardly ever exceeds the private sector and mm. so that's the first thing you would look you would say okay let's let's figure out how to provide financing for poor people to access these excellent private services so that's where the thinking should, should be, and also allowing more, increasing the supply so that the cost can fall down, and by reducing some of the regulations, allowing people to pay schools and so on. And so those are the kind of solutions that government should be looking for because they will never be able to provide a good quality education.
2: We speak a lot to the Institute of Race Relations about that exact freedom mm-hmm. by giving poor South Africans a help. Uh, excuse me, an education voucher. So if mm-hmm. you basically stop funding yeah. this bureaucracy of called the Department of Education, you break that money up into vouchers. You mm-hmm. could give a parent between. I mean, the estimates are between. 16 and 20,000 rand mm. per child Per mm. year to do exactly this yep. to, for, the, for the parent to be able to shop around For private education yeah. uh, uh, Biak, maybe as we Really wrap up, because you know time is not on Our side on the show, and I'm really sorry dear listener We will have Biak back um, The final word in so far as How do we prosecute the battle of ideas In getting freedom As the, the, the primal political Consideration yeah. into communities
0: In, in a minute So uh, I've been discussing this with my colleagues, and I've also been thinking about it. And I think the absolute best thing you can do is just uh, be proud of your most radical ideas. And so that's (laughs) that's what people want. They don't want the 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 milky, uh, like the diluted stuff. They want the real radical stuff because Mm. that's how that's 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 the shock to the system that South Africa needs. Because we've we've been hearing the sort of uh, centrist type talk for a long time now, and South Africans are not interested. And if you look across the world, no one is interested in the in centrism and finding the middle. Uh, what people, people want um, Something that resonates strongly With their values And I think the time has come for that yeah. Absolutely Guys,
2: thank you very much. I'm from the Free Market Foundation. We really appreciate your time. We will definitely have you back on here. And thank you, dear listener, for joining us on the show. Remember, you can find your favorite fat boy, Big Daddy Liberty, on your social media. Uh, Just search Big Daddy Liberty. Watch all my content. There will be some really interesting stuff going out this week. Saragon, of course, is going to be with us next week as uh, we break this down again on another episode of the IRR Show. Thank you, guys. We'll see you next week.